Hey there, and welcome in to another episode of B-Shave Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, and I am excited, as always, to be with you for the show. But it's obviously under some different circumstances today, as it's Thursday, March 12th. And as of the time of recording this little snippet of the podcast, everything is being canceled across the sporting world in the United States and North America. And it's obviously a bigger concern the societal concern over coronavirus and the havoc it's wreaking already and I'm afraid will continue to wreak in the coming weeks and potentially months as the nation figures out how to deal with this. It's not it's there's no there's no script, there's no blueprint, I don't think, for the way you handle a situation like this. So, you know, it's kinda clear that organizations and sporting leagues are sort of making things up as they go because I think a lot of people didn't expect it to be as bad as it's gotten so quickly. And I think what happened Wednesday with Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, when he tested positive for coronavirus, that was kind of the sign and the signal that that was going to be it. Like, it was not going to be good. And so, as of now, Major League Baseball has not yet announced that it is suspending the season that I have seen. But every prominent reporter is saying that that's on the way. Major League Baseball will be delayed by at least a couple of weeks as far as the regular season is concerned. Spring training is is done as of the moment, and so they'll be figuring out the next steps, as will everybody in the coming weeks. But my timing on this is incredible because I had a conversation lined up with a person, Cardinals fans, many Cardinals fans know and enjoy, and that's Kyle Rees of Birds on the Black. He covers the prospects for them, and he does the Dirty 35 top prospects rankings within the Cardinals system over at Birds on the Black. And he's a a great dude, has a lot of great knowledge and opinions that he shares often with people on Periscope in addition to the articles that he writes. And so I wanted to get his view of the Cardinals as we approach the regular season. Obviously, at this point, the regular season's not going to be here quite as soon as we had thought or had hoped that it would be. But Nevertheless, you know what? We recorded this, and we acknowledged within the interview, as you'll hear, the status of everything going on. But we mostly, after kind of touching on that and saying, yeah, we know that things are going to change. But after that, we kind of got into baseball talk. And it's something that you're you're probably not going to get a lot of strict baseball talk because there's not going to be any baseball going on for the weeks to come. And so it's a weird situation. It's a unique situation. But we recorded it. We still got to have fun in our lives. I enjoyed the conversation with Kyle. And so I decided I'm going to go ahead and put it out there, publish it, and maybe I'll retweet it again once we find out what's actually going to happen with the season because it'll be a little bit more relevant. But as of right now, take it as some leisurely listening. Kyle's a fun guy. We had a good time with the conversation. So I'm going to play a quick commercial from Anchor and then get right into the conversation right after the break with Kyle Reese of Birds on the Black. Okay, so I'm really excited about this momentous occasion, the big time hitting it on B-Shape Daily. I've got, you know him, you love him, Kyle Reese is here with us, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in, Kyle. Brendan, it's a pleasure. I'm really excited about this. Okay, so hopefully people are, you know, healthy, good to go right now. I know this coronavirus thing is scary, and by the time the podcast airs, honestly, Baseball might be suspended for a while. I saw tweets this morning from Passon and Heyman already. That's probably the direction this is trending. But to kind of keep people's minds off of that, I think eventually we're going to have Cardinals baseball. And so what we're going to try to do today on this podcast is talk about what the Cardinals are going to look like when that eventually happens. Is that good with you? 
Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk baseball. All right, let's start where everybody wants us to start, right? And that's Dylan Carlson. Ooh. How is he going to fit into the outfield matrix for the Cardinals? I know you're all over the prospects, Kyle, and so you've got an idea of what you expect from some of these other guys, like a Tyler O'Neill, like yeah. Lane Thomas. There's a lot of names here. So I just wanted to get your take. When the Cardinals season takes off, who do you think's in left field? Who do you think's in center? Who's in right? What do the Cardinals do with the starting outfield? And is Dylan Carlson going to be a part of that roster? Today, uh, it seems like the starting lineup for the Cardinals. Right now, I think Tommy Edmond is in, in left and Harrison Bader's in center and Dexter Fowler's in right. And I really do think that's pretty close to what we're going to see on opening day. Uh, if, if people will remember, and it, it, granted, it all depends on everything, but say that we have a normal opening day against the Cincinnati Reds, uh, that means that the opening series is going to end up being, uh, you're going to face Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray, which are three very, very tough right-handed pitchers. So I would expect that you're going to see both Tommy Edmond and Matt Carpenter in all three of those games. It's just the alignment to make that happen. You know, they'll, they'll try to load up the, the left-handed heaviness against those those big righties. Uh, so yeah, I, as far as Dylan Carlson's spot in the lineup, kind of what I was getting at with today's starting lineup is that I think we're starting to see that he is ticketed for Memphis. The Cardinals feel good about what they've seen out of their 40 man roster and outfielders up until this point. Uh, you know, Harrison Bader, Lane Thomas, probably Justin Williams to a, a smaller degree, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader. Uh, and I, I, think that I think we all know that he was going to start the year at Memphis unless he completely blew the cover off the ball. And since he slowed down a little bit, I, I think it I think it gives them room to send him down. So uh, I would expect him to be up to St. Louis quickly, depending on how the uh, how especially O'Neill and Thomas and Bader fare ahead of him. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, I'm curious what you would say to maybe Cardinals fans that look at the potential for Carlson to be in Memphis and they, their mind automatically kind of jumps to, oh, they're going to gain the service time. This is just like the Chris Bryant thing. Because my perspective is that, like you mentioned, it's it's also about those other guys. O'Neal and Lane Thomas, if you look at it like a ladder, they were already a, a rung or two above Carlson on the ladder, and they haven't fallen off to this point. So I think the Cardinals are going to give them the opportunity. I'm curious what you think uh, as far as that is concerned. I look at it as just, you know, we, we hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's easy to get caught up in prisoner of the moment. But one year ago, we wanted this opportunity for Tyler O'Neill. Two years ago, we wanted that opportunity for Harrison Bader. You know, three years ago, four years ago, there, there's always an outfielder that we've wanted the opportunity for that hasn't necessarily got it. You know, you could almost say Tyler O'Neill for two years now, we've, we've wanted to see what he's capable of as a starter uh, when he's healthy. So I'm with everyone. I definitely want to see Dylan Carlson at the major league level. And I and I want to see what he's capable of at the major league level. I don't view it as them jobbing his service time. I think it is as simple as they want to see what they have of these other options that, you know, in some cases they've been waiting to find out about for a couple of years and opportunity and health just haven't allowed for it. So uh, I guess be patient. I think that there's a portion of the fans that think that you get two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, the Super 2 status goes away and he's going to get called up. I don't view that happening. That seems pretty unrealistic in my book. Um, if you look over the last couple of years, the Cardinals have waited until I think it's June 9th or June 10th to make both lineup and like coaching adjustments. So I would expect that any type of serious adjustment depends on how they're faring through the first two months of the season. 
uh, especially with that and especially with the options that they have on the 40 man. And, you know, I, I keep we keep bringing up Tommy or uh, uh, Lane Thomas in in Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Vader. But, you know, Tommy Edmond is still going to be an outfield option. You know, I, I wouldn't put it by him that if somehow Edmundo Sosa finds his way into the 26 man, if he's an outfield option, he's athletic enough, he could handle it. Um, in, in left field for a couple innings. Brad Miller is going to have to get uh, at bats. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they get it. And I don't think it's a jobbing of service time. I think it's just a matter of getting the right opportunity uh, uh, while exhausting the opportunities of the people ahead of him. And I know that that, that ends up leading into a gray area with Dexter Fowler. And, like, right. That, yeah. <laughs> I was going to get yeah. to that with you for sure. Because that's that's I think the natural question for the fans that comes next. Because for me, I agree with you on the Carlson stance. If he doesn't make the roster right away, I think it takes multiple injuries potentially that open up yeah. an obvious clear spot for him to play in that Cardinals outfield. But some might say, well, Dexter Fowler hasn't had the the best spring. Why not go ahead and and you know put Carlson in that spot right away? What's what's the harm? Well, I mean, Dexter Fowler is still signed for two more years a veteran player that you're paying. I just, I don't think it's the way the Cardinals or even baseball as a whole is going to operate talking about basing it off of spring training stats for one player. Yeah. And we also know that just first, like you said, that's not how the Cardinals operate. And the one thing that maybe we keep glossing over is how close of a relationship that Mr. Schilt and Mr. Fowler have. They're, they're very close. And it's not like Mike Schilt in particular, it's not like the Cardinals, but it's not like Mike Schilt in particular to give up on a player. Um, I, that's just not going to happen. So what I would suggest to everyone who feels that way, and I, I'll be candid, that's how I feel, uh, but how I'm handling it, and how I would suggest other people handle it, is just come to terms with the fact that Dexter Fowler is going to get a, a really, really long leash and just hope for the best. You know, I, I was thinking about Dexter Fowler as compared to one year ago, right? Because last year during spring training, we were all curious and waiting for him to break out. We wanted to see what he would look like if he was healthy, how he was ready. And the one thing that they kept going to, because he didn't have a great spring last year, was his exit velocity. Remember that? They were like, his exit yeah. velocity is through the roof. Well, we haven't heard any of that. And it's because he's swinging and missing at a lot of pitches. <laughs> right. He's not making contact. And when he's making contact, it's little bloops between the infielders and outfielders. So I, I think that there's some some extra concern in regards to him. Uh, as compared to like last year when he wasn't producing. Uh, but I, I, it's just the reality of the situation. And I think it does us all well to come to terms with the reality of the situation. Yeah, and if you're a Cardinals fan, your hope is that Dexter Fowler will find a way to come through. But you know what? If he doesn't, and I agree with you, there will be a leash there. How long it's going to be kind of remains to be seen. And I think you can find that other players performing in limited opportunities like Elaine Thomas, who may not be playing every day, or if Tommy Edmond really catches fire and you say, we can't sit him at all, you might start to see maybe a limitation to Fowler's playing time if things aren't going well. But I appreciate the way we've covered the outfield situation. I want to move on with you to, if it season were to start today, who's in your starting five in the rotation and how difficult of a conversation might that be with a couple of the guys that don't make it? How good have have uh, Kim, has Kim and Ponce de Leon been? Unbelievable. Uh, God, I'll tell you what, Kim. It was it was the comments from Josh Donaldson that that turned like opened my eyes to how good he was when Donaldson said he could not even begin to pick up the ball out of his hand. And you know that's that's a right-handed power hitter with MVP votes to his name that can't pick up the ball out of the lefty's hand. And that was enough for me to be like, I don't know how we get this guy into the rotation. 
Uh, but there's got to be some way to get him in there. And and then with the work that Ponce has done with driveline and his mechanics and his pitches, uh, it's it's almost a tragedy that, you know, one of those guys is going to be in the rotation and the other one isn't. Uh, I, I think more than likely because of the situation with left-handers going down, both Cecil and Miller, and we all have our opinions about Cecil. But I think that uh, with, with, you know, Webb being really the only lefty in the bullpen, of course you could bring Henesis or Gomber. Uh, but only being like the only lock in the bullpen, I think there's reason to put Kim in the bullpen just at the start of the year and kind of adjust. So with that, my rotation would be it would be Jack Flaherty and then uh, Carlos Martinez, Dakota Hudson, Adam Wainwright, and Daniel Ponce de Leon. And uh, one thing, you know, the Cardinals have carried 13 pitchers. And th- that won't change now with the 26th man. They can only carry 13. But I'd like for them to get creative with that fifth spot and, and maybe do it like a piggyback situation where you're, you, you schedule in or you, you write in Daniel Ponce de Leon to start. He gets four innings, and no matter what, Kim gets the last five. Or you flip it, you flip it, one gets four, the other one gets five. Interesting. Just try to get, yeah, try to get creative with that. And then that way you can manage Kim's innings because they didn't, you know, he didn't pitch every fifth day uh, abroad. And you can manage Ponce's innings. And then you could actually get creative and maybe even manage manage you know uh innings down the road you know from from your relievers uh from minor leaguers you might have to go to 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 adam wainwright even you know if if say you only had to use kim for three innings and three days later you could use him for two and you know you're still in a decent spot and then you could go back and use Ponce for five or six games i'd like to see him get creative with both Ponce and kim and try to utilize both of them based on like matchups if it's at all possible but that's that's how i would do it and that's how i see it shaking out I like that, and I'm kind of I, I have it a little bit differently, but you kind of convinced me on that element of of kind of turning it into a piggyback. I would have Kim in the rotation simply for the fact that you take a guy that you sign, and when you sign him, you tell him you have a chance to compete for the rotation. He doesn't give up a run in what looks yeah. like all of spring training if they cancel the rest of it, and so that would seem to indicate like, hey man, you did your job. But I like the idea of maybe, and the other element of this is too. Kim has talked about feeling more comfortable pitching as a starter. In spring, early in spring, they have 10, 12 guys that they're trying to get innings for in this, you know, quote unquote starters group. And Kim ended up pitching in relief in some of those. And he talked about feeling a lot better when he could prepare as a starter. So I wonder if you go Kim maybe for three or four innings and then do like they kind of did in that spring training game where Ponce then pitched the other five and Reyes closed it out. Maybe that's the structure because Ponce has talked about kind of the opposite. I don't care when they pitch me as long as I get my work in. And he's just a guy that wants to be on the team at this point. So he's certainly done everything in his power to earn that chance to be on the roster. I think it's a question of role, but that's a good point that you make. Maybe you could piggyback those two to try to solve the the equation a little bit. The guy I feel kind of bad for that may end up getting wedged out could be Austin Gomber, who's also had a really nice spring and could end up as that like six starter when they put him down in Memphis. I'm not sure how how his season's going to begin. He and Cabrera are the two interesting ones because of what their role is going to be, whether it be in the rotation at Memphis or uh, out of the bullpen. I'm I'm really anxious to see how the Cardinals handle that. I I know I'm with look I love Henesis Cabrera, uh, but I still want the Cardinals to have plenty of options to start. Uh, you know, uh, there's still some things that are very shaky about the Cardinals rotation. And I just I would like to have both Austin Gomber and Henesis Cabrera in a position where if things don't go well with Kim or Ponce or Wayno isn't 2019 Wayno or Seamart ends up, you know, having shoulder fatigue issues where they have reserves that they can go to that you feel comfortable going to. 
you know, Gomber coming off injury, I I like him still stretching out, you know, continuing to rediscover his feel. And same with Henesis. Like, Henesis has command issues, and he's been his command has been pretty good so far this spring. But he still needs innings. He still needs to refine his command. With him, it's a it's a pace issue, a balance and pace issue. So if his timing's off, then his timing is off, and there's no beating it. And he needs to continue to improve that. So that to me is like I feel confident with Ponce. I feel confident with Kim. I'm anxious to see how it goes uh, with with Henesis and Gomber and if they're in the bullpen or if they're in Memphis's rotation. I, what, what would you prefer? Would you, do you, do you want Hennessy's pitching out of the bullpen? Do you want Gomber pitching out of the bullpen? What, what do you think about that? I think before the Cecil thing came up and when it looked like it was just going to be Andrew Miller on the injured list to start the year, a lot of people I saw were trying to just kind of wedge Hennessy's into that Andrew Miller spot. And I kind of leaned toward your direction where I'd like to see him continued to be worked as a starter because the Cardinals, you know, last year it was what it was, but I think they were pretty fortunate overall with the health to their starting rotation. That's not a given every year. And so yeah. I kind of agree with having a couple of guys that you feel really good about to where, you know, John Gant also technically competing as a starter right now, but because he's out of options, you know he's going to be in that bullpen. So he's not going to be in the Memphis rotation. So to have like Gomber, Henesis, and even Jake Woodford, if he's your, you know, your yeah. ninth best option or whatever, I think in that case you're pretty good. And I would like to, as you mentioned, find a way to keep Ponce stretched out. And maybe that every fifth day piggyback situation is a way they could do that. Uh, because you know, you never know. Maybe if somebody else goes down, Ponce de Leon is able to adapt and just jump right into a starting spot if he's been throwing three, four innings a time out of the bullpen. So as far as Hennessy's goes, I'm kind of on that track of I'd like to see him continue getting innings as well with the knowledge that maybe late season he could turn into kind of the Dakota Hudson that comes up yeah. and gives you, you know, he's refined his skill by then. It's a way to monitor his innings as a young arm that in August he comes up and maybe he's throwing some nasty darts out of the bullpen and can help you in that way. That's kind of the way I'm looking at that right now. I'm curious, though, if you don't have any addendums to that point, one guy we haven't talked about yet with regard to the starting rotation, kind of being taken as a given by the Cardinals, but maybe not by all their fans, is Dakota Hudson. I'm curious just to hear what you expect from him this season. Obviously a great season on paper last year, but he did it with kind of a lot of magic tricks, leading the league in walks but still being able to have a low ERA and, and score the Cardinals a lot of wins. I've been very critical of Dakota Hudson in the past because of the smoke and mirrors. But And this is, again, where sometimes you get a little caught up in what's going on in spring training and maybe you need to take a step back. But he looks filthier than he's ever looked this spring training. And, the, you know, I, I watched so many of his innings in college. I watched his minor league innings. Uh, he, his stuff looks filthier than it ever has. And I am I am so excited to see what his season looks like. And I was not, this is not this is not the rhetoric that I've been preaching, uh, that I've been yelling and screaming for the last year and a half. I was the one who wanted him in the bullpen. I was the one who wanted Ryan Helsley in his rotation spot. I wanted that pretty much up until this spring training. But what I've watched out of him this spring training, it I honestly like it's eye opening, and it's exciting, and it, it looks like maybe he took that next step into his development which, you know, doesn't make him a top-of-the-line starter. It, it, it makes him a very, very sustainably capable, you know, middle-of-the-rotation starter, not a middle-of-the-rotation ro- of starter with some helium and potentially sitting on a bunch of sticks of dynamite. So I, I as far as, like, what numbers, because of the type of pitcher he is, I still don't know what to expect. I expect something similar to what he did last year, 
uh, but with more sustainability just based solely on the filth and the command that I've seen out of uh, this spring training that I did not see at any point leading up into this spring training. I really think the way you're looking at that is pretty fair, and I kind of agree with you with a little bit of just a a wondering of, okay, I'm not going to compare him directly to Jack Flaherty, but you look at the progression that Flaherty had. He went from really good, and it wasn't with smoke and mirrors. Like it, it, His FIP was pretty regular. Everything was pretty normal. He was missing bats in 2018. And then in 2019, was able to take that next step in the progression of his game. Dakota Hudson, as Mike Schultz quick to point out, still a young pitcher, a guy that did really well for us last year. You know, at 25 coming into this season, what if he's able to make that next step in his progression and take what was kind of, you could say, a very fortunate season a year ago and then turn in a season that, you know, the underlying numbers this year might dictate that he's earned that kind of year. You know, like I said, like you said, I don't know that you can say like expectations, but an ERA in the mid threes, you know, I think, but then with the underlying numbers kind of supporting that, and then if the defense wants to help him out again like it did last season, maybe he can then exceed expectations in that regard. But just the idea that he went from a guy last year with good results, maybe not the best process, to now if he has a good process and he develops into that pitcher, I'm not saying a Jack Flaherty-type leap, but I think it's it's comparable on a lower scale what Hudson could do in 2020. Yeah, just another it's another exciting pitcher. I, I, I pray for health. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's what I'm most concerned about. I'm always most concerned about with this type of young pitching staff, not even young, because it's, I mean, it's a very vast array of ages, but I I just want them all to be healthy. And I I think that, uh, I definitely think that there's a sustainability in Dakota Hudson's uh, pitch ability that, you know, maybe hasn't been reached yet. And I think we're going to see it in 2020. I'm all about it. So I'm going to move to the bullpen now because we've and we've talked about it a little bit, kind of where pieces could fit. But I want to start to bring up a few names that we haven't discussed yet. Uh, you know, I'm not that concerned about the closer conversation. It'll probably be Gio Gallegos. I think Helsley might be in that bullpen. I know Helsley's a guy you like. So if you want to touch on him for a minute, but a yeah. couple of names that I think need some opportunity and you may be on board with these guys. Maybe not. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'm liking Cody Whitley. I'm liking Junior Fernandez as two guys that, hey, sure, they've got options or whatever. You don't need to bring them up. I think you I think you got to consider putting your best bullpen out there. And those two guys certainly involved in that conversation, especially with a couple bullpen spots open at the you know, at the very least, you have two bullpen spots open because of Miller and Cecil. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be left handed, but I personally believe and Junior Fernandez is an interesting topic. Uh, prospect number six on our dirty 35. He he has all of the stuff, but his like command gets out of whack on a way that like Jordan Hicks, even with his whack command, it, it gets even more out of whack than Hicks. And you know right away, and you just got to go get him. So that makes him tough in like a late inning situation. But his arm is dynamic, and I believe it's in the Cardinals' best interest to break camp with him uh, and just kind of adjust from there. See, see what you can get out of him, see if as he gets comfortable – uh, if he can really settle into a role we did see last year, he had like 10 appearances and eight of them. He was good. And two of them, he was extremely bad. Or it was like nine appearances, something like that. Uh, he, his arm is there, you know, his, his slider is really good. His changeup is one of the best pitches in the organization. It's been underrated for a long time. His fastball is high velocity. Um, he, he pitches with a lot of emotion. Uh, he's an exciting guy out there, but I do think he's one of the, uh, eight best options for the bullpen. Cody Whitley, is something him and Giovanni Gallegos like 
there's there are a lot of similarities between the two of them. You know, they're both older when they make their major league debut. Uh, by the time Whitley makes his major league debut, he's probably going to be 25. They both have a deceptive little motion. They throw kind of overhand, and that helps the ball get on the hitter a lot quicker. And they kind of rely on a deceptive fastball. Now, Gallegos has two sliders, where Whitley only has one singular slider uh, and a changeup. But they, they throw a lot of strikes. They get a lot of swinging strikes. And they don't walk a lot of people. They also don't, don't let up a lot of home runs or slug. So what I'm getting at with Cody Whitley, or Whitley or Whitley, and I don't know why I can never settle on a way to pronounce it, or his proper way of pronouncing it, but he he has all of those things where he's going to be a stud in the bullpen as long as he can stay healthy. And I'm with you. Like I'd love for him to get a real chance to, to break with the big club. They do have a 40-man spot open, so it could happen. But, yeah, look, I, I have a feeling that when we see Cody Whitley, it'll be a lot like when we saw Giovanni Gallegos. Gallegos, maybe not that dominant because Giovanni Gallegos was probably one of the 10 best relievers in baseball last year. Um, but it'll it'll be effective and it'll be in a role where he's able to to put out some fires. Uh, I, I do. I would love to have both of them in the bullpen on opening day. I, I definitely don't think we'll see Whitley. Uh, I think that there's a good chance we'll see Junior, but uh, they're both viable options. Just another another important aspect of having pitching depth. You ain't a kidding. Now, I'm going to put your feet to the fire a little bit. If you were making the call and you could only pick one to take take north with the Cardinals, are you taking Fernandez or Whitley? If I am in the ownership, like if I'm in the front office and I have one on the 40 man, I'm taking Fernandez. Uh, but if if it's me, just some, you know, jerk. In a oh, yeah. I want somewhere. the jerk. I want yeah. the guy with no clue. I want that's what I want. I want Whitley. I, yeah. give me, give me, <laughs> I want to see it. Like, I'm so excited about it. I want to yeah. see it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm kind of leaning in your direction as well that talking about and, you know, Junior Fernandez, that may end up just being the kind of pitcher that he is, that he's not the most consistent and he'll have some some days where he just doesn't have it. But I also think maybe you could benefit from a little more time in Memphis because he was a fast riser. You know, once they moved him to relief, he kind of made his way through the ranks pretty quickly and, and was pretty successful at all levels. So I think he'll be a big part of the team this summer, too. But I kind of lean Whitley. I really it's just. He's just kind of not a guy that I knew a lot about last year, just other than following the numbers. And yeah, I want to see what he can do against this competition. That's where I am. He, he fooled me. I, I want to be completely blunt about that. Now he was prospect number 17 on the dirty 35. If I were re-ranking it, I wouldn't have made him 11. What, what happens sometimes is you're watching through the season and you know, I write notes and I, I take gifts and like, I, I'm pretty relentless about staying up on all this. And for many, many years now, I've kind of just blown off relief pitchers. Uh, and he was always impressive. I thought he was good. I thought he had a major league career, but it wasn't until after I got done doing the rankings of the dirty 35 based on like the notes, um, th that I've made and the, the videos that I made and the gifts that I made and rewatched is I went back and I thought, you know what? I want to do my due diligence on this kid. And I went back and I watched every one of his appearances that were, I was capable of watching, uh, this season. And by the end of his time, the end of the 2019 season, I could not believe how much I had underestimated him and how good he was. Like, he slipped through the cracks for me. And it was, A, because I kind of disvalue relief pitchers at the minor league level because they've never really had a role at the major league level until recently. And it, just because sometimes watching a game in the eighth or ninth inning, a double-A game in the eighth or ninth inning when there's two other minor league games going on that have just started is it, kind of boring. <laughs> So right. I, so honestly, like he's, he's 
every time I watch him. I even went back and watched some of him a couple days ago because I wanted to. I, I just wanted to watch him. He's he's good. His his command is good. His deception is good. His stuff moves where he wants it. It's just you've got a kid who can throw strikes seventy percent of the time that elicits slings and misses. 30% of or swinging strikes 16% of the time while striking out 30% of batters and 23% of lefties as a righty, everything lines up for him, both statistically, mechanically, and stuff wise to play a very important role in a bullpen. And I, I, I just want to see what it looks like. You know, it's kind of that train wreck curiosity with Alex Reyes. Like I want Alex Reyes to be in the bullpen, even if I don't necessarily think he's ready for it or want it because I, I want, I just want to see it. Yeah, I would like to see that as well. And it's pretty clear the way they're using him. It's not, I know spring training is going to be canceled and everything, but it didn't trend like he was going to be part of that starter conversation. Just get him back healthy, get him pitching, see what he can do. And, and maybe that ends up being at the major league level in the bullpen before long. Gosh, would it be nice to have him as a late inning reliever if you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan or, or a manager for that matter? Oh, it'd be the greatest thing ever. And what you want to try to avoid, though, is and I think we, we kind of lost track of this, too, is that we tried this last year. You know, it, yep. it's hard to believe that he broke camp with the big league team last year just because of how tumultuous his tumultuous his season was. Um, but like, that's the most important thing for me. And that's I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is he has the chance to be that dynamic back into the bullpen arm, uh, just about a dynamic arm. It doesn't matter even in what role. But I also don't want them to bring him along if we're going to deal with the same command issues and you know, same similar velocity issues to what we what we saw last year where, you know, he gets three starts or 10 games or three three appearances or 10 games into the season. And you got to send him down to Memphis and try to figure out what to do with him. Uh, but if he's healthy and he's pitching similar to how he was on his way back from Tommy John or experts that he's shown in the last two spring trainings, then I, I'm I'm thoroughly excited for his bullpen role and how Mike Schilt might be able to use him. Yeah, and one more note on Reyes. I think what's interesting is Schilt kind of brought this up in spring about if they had it to do over again, maybe they learned a lesson from bringing Reyes on so quickly last year after he really didn't pitch for two years. Uh, you know, was that the most fair thing to do to him is the way that Mike Schilt phrased it kind of questioningly. But as far as looking at 2020, he did pitch some last year, but you do have to consider toward the end of the year, Reyes wasn't pitching. So I, I kind of am with you on how how you want to bring him along, be maybe a little bit more careful, let him get his feet under him for a new season before throwing him right into the fire. That could be a strategy they take depending on depending on what the, the bullpen matrix looks like. Before I let you go, I want to get some thoughts. I'm not going to ruin anything for your Dirty 35 ah. because I know you still got like the top five yet to go. But if there's any, you don't even have to give me like the top guy on that list. But I'm curious if there's a guy who's kind of really made his way up the rankings in the past year and you're really watching out for him to have a good season, someone that could burst onto the scene later in the year, not necessarily at the beginning, that you're really, really excited about right now. The, the two obvious names, prospect number five on the Dirty 35, it's the one we released today, is Zach Thompson. I mean, he, he's already taken spring training by storm. The big lefty drafted in the first round of 2019. Uh, he's going to be a top 100 prospect by midseason re-rankings. Uh, the, the other one that everyone knows but doesn't really know yet is catcher Ivan Herrera. 
He'll be our prospect tomorrow on the Dirty 35. He's prospect number four. Um, you know, he, it's so funny how fast these things develop these days. Just two months ago or three months ago, or let's say at the end of the season, in October, if I would have said, you know, Ivan Herrera is going to be a top 100 prospect in baseball, keep an eye on it. Everybody would have been like, who's Ivan Herrera? I need to know about this Ivan Herrera. But, <laughs> right. but just, in, just in four months, you know, he's, he's already starting to get uh, top 100 buzz or just outside of top 100 buzz nationally. You know, the 19-year-old catcher who's a month younger than Nolan Gorman, but with a substantially better approach and the ability to play catcher. Uh, they're, they're the two names are, that are going to get the most national buzz. Now, if, if, you want, if you want two deep sleepers, I'll give you two just like super, super sleep, uh, deep sleepers that might not get on national radar, but I think could end up making like a, a little waves within the organization. Again, these are guys who are outside of like the top 200. They they won't find their way on the top 200 list or anything like that. But there's a a second baseman slash middle infielder I really like who made it through Peoria last year. His name's Brendan Donovan. Uh, I I like him already. Yeah, I knew you would. I knew you would. That was part of the reason why I brought him up. Um, (laughs) I I like him a lot. He has a really short, compact swing. He's a super hustler. Uh, He does some really amazing stuff uh, at the plate. He's a left-handed swinger. It kind of like rolls his wrist like John Jay does a little bit. Um, but he's a really interesting like utility infielder type. And then one of the other draft picks from 2019 that I am I am huge on, and I cannot wait to see what kind of season he has, is right-handed pitcher Logan Gregg. Gregg was an eighth-round pick out of Oklahoma State. He's a six-foot-five righty who had Tommy John surgery in 2017 uh, and has worked to build up innings. He he was drafted out of Oklahoma State and. He was pitching out of their bullpen and was not particularly good out of their bullpen until the end of the year once he had actually built up a little bit of strength. And then when I saw him pitching in Peoria after being drafted, he was starting and he looked good. He has a really good slider. He has a fastball that he can get up to like the mid-90s and uh, a changeup that's kind of interesting, too. It's still developing. But if there's like one sneaky draft pick from from 2019 and maybe one arm that, uh, you know, people are overlooking in the organization, it's Greg. of course, the other name here is is Johanna Oviedo. Everyone knows Oviedo. He's been a big name in spring training, prospect number 10 on the Dirty 35. Uh, he, Everyone knows. I'm not going to talk on and on about him, but he's big. He's strong. He's His tools are loud. He just needs to work on command. And But other than that, like I think that uh, I think that those are those three names in particular. And then the two deep sleepers are, are probably the names that you're going to hear the most uh, this this season. See, this is why you have Kyle on your podcast, because you learn about people named Greg that you had uh-huh. never heard about before in your life. And now I'm a little bit more informed than I was before. People already probably do this. Not enough of them already do this, but you should follow, follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyler416. It's Kyle R416. I always read it as, as Kyler in my head, but hey, you got to follow this guy. Yeah, you got to follow him. He's all over the Cardinals stuff, minor leagues for birds on the black. Guy knows his stuff, and he's a lot of fun. Uh, so if you don't know him already, which I can't imagine is the case, but if not, follow him. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? <laughs> Kyle, I appreciate your time, man. I won't keep you any longer than that. Thank you so much for doing the show with me today, and uh, I'd love to have you on again soon if they ever uh, start baseball back up again. Uh, we need baseball. Hey, Brendan, real fast while I have you, I just want to say thank you so much. When I, It was a pleasure meeting you at Winter Warm-Up, and you were incredibly kind and wonderful to me and i just i can't i wanted to say it thank you as loud as possible as publicly as possible so thank you so much bud oh it was great to meet you you and your beautiful bald head i can't wait to see you again (laughs) sometime this summer we'll have to meet up for a drink and uh that'll be a lot of fun sounds good bud thanks again brendan thanks kyle kyle reese ladies and gentlemen
there he was, ladies and gentlemen. That's Kyle. He does a great job covering the prospects over at Birds on the Black. I really recommend following him on Twitter if you don't already. That would be insane. But if you don't, it's at Kyle R, all lowercase, all one word, 416. It kind of looks like Kyler, as I mentioned at the end of the podcast there, the uh, interview. So that's what we've got for you for today. I appreciate you guys for joining the show would love to have you subscribe at Spotify, at Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts if you're an iPhone user unlike myself. Give me a follow on Twitter at bshafer12. Look, sports are going to be different for a little while, but I'm still going to try to do the show. I, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about tomorrow at this point other than maybe just a event sesh on the coronavirus situation. It's I mean, I you tell me. Send me a DM. What should I talk about on the show because I do call it B shape daily. My intention is to do a daily episode talking about the Cardinals and that's going to get a little bit tricky as we, you know, get into these next few weeks, obviously speculation and updates as far as news that is broken. You're going to see a lot of heavy lifting. I think by a lot of these national baseball guys, the reporters that you see on Twitter that are, are going to be on top of this thing and try to determine when the season's going to actually reconvene and the problem with that is if you stop spring training, guys are not you know, necessarily going to be in peak condition when they do lift this ban and decide they can play games again. And so I think you're, you're opening yourselves up to a lot of injury potential for players. It's not a good situation you know, as far as sports are concerned. Obviously, 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 it's a, it's a grander concern for society. And so, you know what? Wash your hands. Um, send me a DM on Twitter, at bshafer12. Let me know what you'd like to hear on the podcast going forward, because if I'm quarantined in my house, if that's what it comes to, I've still got, uh, hopefully, internet connection. So be able to post stuff and, and, and talk to you guys, because that's what we've got. So it's going to be a weird time, but I appreciate you guys at the very least for listening to the show today. Tomorrow's Friday. I plan to record an episode, and I am sure we will have uh, more updates on the baseball situation and the situation around sports and the nation then. And so the plan for now is to talk to you on Friday. Hope you enjoyed the episode with Kyle. Once again, give him a follow on Twitter. And until then, I'm going to say I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.